Adding wholesale as a channel to your store is a great way to increase revenue. But how do you offer customer-specific pricing in Shopify? Well, naturally, there's a bold app for that. It's called Customer Pricing. And it's great for wholesale, of course, but it's also cool to add things like a VIP program where you reward your best customers. So it's easy to use. To put a customer in a price group, you just tag their customer account. Or, if you want to get fancy, you can auto-tag customers into groups based off how much they've spent, how often they order, where they're from, or what products they purchased. So it's really powerful. For example, if they've spent $500 or more, you could tag them as silver, and they get 5% off. $1,000 or more, they get tagged gold, they get 10% off. You could even do it by how many times they've ordered and even what country they're from. With the tagging by product purchase feature, you could actually sell a membership product and then give them a member discount. So if you're a Costco member, this should sound familiar, because it's exactly what they do. To try it out free for two months, head to ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily, and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit, plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com slash unofficial. That's seomanager.com slash unofficial. Today on the unofficial Shopify podcast, we're talking about Merchant's three favorite letters, SEO, that's search engine optimization. And I have largely avoided SEO as a topic because there's a lot of misinformation out there. I think uh, it's easy to get really frustrated with it. And so I finally said, you know what? I I found a guy, I found an authority in this topic who I think could demystify it, whose content I have followed and respected in uh, growing my own uh, content marketing efforts, especially uh, our YouTube channel. And so I am happy to welcome as a guest today a gentleman who has been called an SEO genius by Entrepreneur.com and a brilliant entrepreneur by Inc. Magazine. I'm joined by Brian Dean from Backlinko, his award-winning blog, Backlinko, was listed by Forbes as a top blog to follow in 2017. So we've got the, what I consider like one of the top SEO experts. Brian, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Kurt. So, all right, when we, we'll jump right into it here. Well, first, did I get your intro right? Is all it, That's all accurate. You are this great entrepreneur, according to some impressive sources. Well, I'm not going to argue with them. <laughs> uh, let's just put it that way. Yeah, take the uh, lead. 
I need to get. I need to change that 2017 reference. That's getting kind of out of date. So I need to get listed on some other block to follow list in 2020. Here you go. Uh, e-commerce podcast host Kurt Elster says he's the top blogger to follow. There you go. I did it. Done. Thank <laughs> Nailed you. it. In 2020, I said it no less. All right. So before we dive into the nitty gritty, because your advice is very actionable, which I like a lot. But when we say SEO. In the context of e-commerce, that's a really broad topic. So what the heck are we talking about? If I'm a merchant, how should I be thinking about this? So as a merchant, you want to think of SEO through, through Google's point of view. So when most people think of SEO, they're like, how can I rank? How can I rank? How can I get all this free traffic from Google? Which makes sense. That's the appeal of SEO. And that's why it's, it's so great for e-commerce sites because there are people right now searching for the products that you sell on your Shopify store. And... All you need to do is get in front of them. And the question is how? And that's basically where SEO comes in. And the when I first started with SEO many years ago, it was a, kind of a different time. It was all about gaming the algorithm. It was this perspective of how can I fake all these signals that are important to Google to get them to rank my site? And we'd use black hat SEO and fake links and all the keyword stuffing and all this stuff. And it worked temporarily, but my sites would always get penalized. And over the years, in terms of a high-level perspective, I'm always thinking of SEO in terms of how can I give Google what it wants? Because when you give Google what it wants, they generally reward you with higher rankings and more traffic. So as an e-commerce site owner, I would think, how can I create product pages, category pages, and other signals that Google wants to see to show me that I'm the best result for the keyword that someone's searching for. So the way I have thought about it, and recapping that statement a little bit, is Google is viewing the query as a question from the user, who's their customer, and your page, your search result, is they want to show, here's the best answer, and we're going to rank them in descending order of how good an answer we think it is for your question. Is that a fair way to think about it? Very much. Okay, good. And in... So we we want to avoid the black hat stuff, right? We don't want to fake those signals. We want to create these genuine signals for Google. When you talk about those those signals, those ranking factors, what are they? What are the the top ones that you're looking for? The number one is the relevancy of the page. Like if it's a good fit for that search. Now, relevancy just means you're it's like the ticket to entry, right? So when you you know, back in the day when you search for something, and remember, it used to show, it's still, I think it still shows this, but it's not as prominent, like 10 of a billion results. Remember, it'd be like 11 million, like those are all the results that Google thinks in some fashion are relevant to the keyword. Then from there, it's a matter of ordering them and putting them in order from one to, you know, however many pages it goes. So that's the number one, because if your page isn't relevant, then you have no chance of ranking. And that's sort of how the foundation of the algorithm works. So for example, if someone's searching for like a posture corrector in Google, what they're going to do is look through all the pages in their index that are related to posture corrector, and then bring those up and then order them based on what they think is the best result for that particular search. So to get in the game to begin with, you need to have a page on your site that is relevant for that keyword. Okay. And so it sounds, if it's, the, the cost of entry is a relevant page. It sounds like our strategy here is going to start with, with content marketing, content creation, right? Yes. I mean, for e-commerce, it's, it's, it's a combination. It's content creation, but you also have product and category pages that you, that you want to rank as well. Right. So 
it's it's sort of a two-pronged approach with e-commerce it's a little bit different than like a blog um and you tend to have also e-commerce sites tend to have a lot more pages than most others so you got to be more like a little bit more strategic about the keywords that you use and how your site is set up and we can talk about that but yeah exactly at a high level you're creating content whether that's a you know text on a product page or a blog post that's relevant to that to that search the all right, so it sounds like there's there's two directions we can go in. One is like, how do we think about keywords and those searches, and how do we create awesome content? Um, before we jump into that, what's the biggest mistake you see people making when they're in e-commerce and thinking about SEO? The number one mistake by far is putting up a bunch of product and category pages and being like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Nailed it. All right. Nail it. Keywords. The shotgun set. approach. Yeah, exactly. It's a shotgun approach in terms of creating way too many product and category pages, but also um, just thinking like, oh, as long as they're optimized, which is the most straightforward part, right? Like product and category pages, add your keywords, optimize them in the right places. But there's this missing element that I see a lot of e-commerce sites miss, which are the which are backlinks and content marketing and all those other things that help support your product and category pages and, and help those rank higher. If you look at any like non Amazon, non Best Buy, non Walmart e-commerce site, you know, mom and pops, most of them end up ranking because they have these product and category pages that are well optimized, but they also create this content that's so good that people are linking to it and sharing. Google's sensing those signals and thinking, oh, wow, this is a good resource. This is a good website in general. And then you get higher rankings on your product and category pages. So once you have your product and category pages, I look at that as more of a step zero of like, okay, now I have an e-commerce site versus like, okay, now I'm good to go. So that's like the, the literal first step bottom of the barrel in this process is just creating those things. Exactly. It's like, it's like putting your shoes okay. on and being like, okay, I'm going to, I just ran a marathon. For people you know, who, you got, go ahead. Yeah. No, it's just saying that's, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's an important first step and it's important to do it right and to have your keywords for all your product and category pages. Like I said, the relevancy part is super important. That's really the foundation. So once you have that, you're in a good position, but to, in order to rank, you need to, Google needs to see your site as an authority. And the only way to do that is to get backlinks. Okay. So the, the number one or, re- or only relevant um, ranking factor for establishing authority is backlinks. That's a really tough thing to get. What are, so what, what I'm hearing is Google views each backlink as a vote of confidence for this site, right? Exactly. Okay. And what are, it, it's tough to get backlinks, especially for a product page where you're like, yeah, just link to some stuff I'm selling. Like that's just not a compelling proposition. So what are, what are some typical common strategies I could use to get those backlinks? Yep. So one that works really well is to create some sort of data on your site. So, you know, like you said, most e-commerce sites are like, okay, here are product and category pages. It's, if you can get links directly to those, that's great because those links will count a lot more towards ranking those specific pages. But like you said, Kurt, why would anyone link to a product page? You know, especially if your product isn't amazing in some way. Like there's some smaller, e- I wouldn't even call them like e-commerce sites, but they have products like the Roost stand, which is this very popular laptop stand. You know, they have tons of links just because they have a really interesting product. But if you're selling like toothbrushes, unless your toothbrush is really something amazing, like you're going to have to be hard pressed to get links to it. So 
what you need to do is create something on your e-commerce site that I call a link magnet. And this is basically a piece of content that you create that's specifically designed to get backlinks. And one format that's working really well right now is data. And basically what I'm saying with that is like you come up with uh, an industry study that looks at something in your niche and in your industry, and then you report on the results. And we've been doing this a lot at Backlinko, and it's just been absolutely crazy for getting backlinks. Works a lot better than most content formats like list posts and um, case studies. Those things are, are great. They have their place, but they don't get linked to that often. And I learned to get to get linked to, you need to have something very specific on your site that people want to link to, and data does a great job at that. Uh, off the top of your head, can you think of, of one or two examples? Yeah, sure. I mean, we've done a bunch, and I've seen other people do them, and that's why I've sort of like, this is what made me want to delve into it. So over the last year, we published... Uh, five or six of these these industry studies. So to give you an idea, we did one a few months ago, which just looked at page speed statistics, like how fast a page loads. And to do this, we used totally public data. We didn't have to scrape anything that was just out there, but no one had really like collected it, you know, moved it all around and and reported on it in an accessible way. And that did really well for us. People link all the time when they're looking for like what... Um, what is the average page loading speed? How long does it take for a page to load in terms of fully loaded, time to first byte, all these kind of little statistics? It's done really well in terms of links. It's not directly related to my business, which we sell SEO courses, but it's related enough. And that's one of the things I'd recommend for e-commerce sites is think a little bit outside of your, your specific niche if you can. So if you sell you know, posture correctors, your study or whatever data you're going to do doesn't have to be about posture correctors or if you sell you know um pots for plants it doesn't have to be about the pots people use it can be about what things are growing or organic food or anything really that's at least tangentially related to what you're selling on your e-commerce site okay that makes a lot of sense um and i think you know merchants have a lot on their plate especially as solopreneurs and so then creating authority content just ends up feeling like homework it's an easy thing to just procrastinate on put it to the bottom of the list do i have to do i have to just be able do i have to force myself to do it do i have to love to write do i have to delegate it is there any advice here you have for someone who who's just struggling to get them to get going and get that momentum yeah sure i i can absolutely relate to that i i understand that whole fatigue factor of like, hey, I'm running an entire business here. I'm selling physical products. I have an e-commerce site. I'm trying to get the word out. We have Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, you know, all this stuff. And now we're also have to do these like crazy pieces of content. It, it, it makes total sense. Um, but what I would say is this, this approach to content marketing and SEO is a lot easier and a lot better than most which if you ask most people like, oh, I have an e-commerce site, I want to use content marketing and SEO to grow, they're going to be like, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to publish one blog post every day or one blog post every week. And they really focus on this quantity over quality approach. And not only does it not work very well, but it's also something that a lot of, stresses a lot of people out because they feel like all of a sudden they're running on this treadmill and they have to keep up and keep up or else somehow their content marketing is going to stop working or the SEO is going to stop working. And what I'm saying is literally to get started, all you need is one piece of content. Now it needs to be great, 
but you only need one. And for most people, that's like a relief. They go, oh, wow, all I need to do is do one thing. Maybe it's hard work, but at least I can just focus on that and make it great. And in my experience, especially in e-commerce, those amazing pieces of content that stand out tend to do a lot better than 50 mediocre blog posts. Right. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, the quality is evident to the audience. The quality is evident to the search engine. And I think it, it's evident to the author. If you make something you're really proud of, truly proud of, you are going. that's going to show through in how you talk about it, and you're just going to end up naturally promoting it more. And once you start to see success, and even just like that initial dopamine rush of I made a thing and I'm proud of it and I put it out in the world and it's for my business. That's going to empower you to then create more content like that. And like the first thing's the hardest because you make it and then it's crickets and then you start to get some hits on it and then you start to get some feedback. And once you have that feedback loop starts happening, now you go, all right, you're encouraged and you know kind of you start getting ideas for other things. And I remember like very clearly going through that process, even with this podcast, where it's like the first month, you know, there's a few hundred people. But then you get that first person who emails you, and it's like, oh, this is really helpful. I'd love to hear more about X. And you're like, oh, I should do more. And then it, it, it becomes, um, I've likened content marketing in this sense to a water wheel, and that it, like, it builds momentum, and it, it feeds itself, and it, it picks up speed. Yeah, that's, that's a great analogy. And, and it, Kurt, you're a good example of how to do this whole content marketing thing right. Now, in your case, content is a podcast, but it's still content marketing. You don't just say, okay, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to um, use my iPhone and call random people unprepared and start asking <laughs> questions. No, you built this ridiculously cool at-home studio. You do tons of preparation. You sent me things to help me prepare. We ha you have your questions, not totally ready in advance because you want to make it spontaneous, but you have the a lot of the topics you want to cover in advance. That's the level of effort that you want to put into your blog content because if your blog post is just like five tips for whatever, it's just going to get lost in the noise. But if you create something like, wow, we did a survey where we asked people, about how many people, uh, office workers use standing desks, and we have this data about you know, how often they stand, how often they sit, what standing desks they use, and all this information. If you're in that space, it's going to be super interesting, and people are going to share it and link to it. So, right, so I'm hearing the solution here is, is quality over quantity, awesome content. I don't even need to be blogging daily or weekly as long as I have these, these amazing authority pieces. And it can even be based on publicly available information, but I happen to be the only guy who packaged it and put it together in a nice, cohesive way. Um, that's the, the awesome content strategy. Is there, there any more to it, any, anything else we missed that we should touch on? I know we didn't quite touch on keyword planning or like coming up with the topic ideas. Yeah, so the, the topic ideas, I wouldn't worry that much about ranking with these studies or the data points. Of course, if you can, that's great. But the main goal is really to get links. Like your goal with this is to get backlinks. So the if you start trying to do that and keyword research, a lot of times it's it's too confusing. Even for myself, who's done a lot of these studies and I have more planned, I don't really worry that much about them ranking. My goal is really just to create something that people want to link to. And with that, with that mindset, it's a lot easier. So one thing that's helped me a lot with these studies and helped them do really well, like some of them have like literally 5,000 links, um, is to look at what the bloggers and journalists in your space are already linking to and what they're already talking about. So unlike traditional content marketing, which is where you create content for your target customer or your target audience, with these, you're really creating content for bloggers and journalists. You're creating content that's not for your target audience. They may not even get it or like it. 
but you're creating content for the people that have the ability to link to you, which are people that run blogs in your niche. Uh, to give you an idea, last year we ran a voice search study where we did uh, we bought a Google Home and just asked it a bunch of questions, looked at all the results and tried to figure out why Google was giving one result over another, why the Google Home was giving us one result. It did really well. But in terms of my target audience, no one was really asking me about voice search. They weren't like, hey, you know, I want to rank in voice search. It wasn't really that, you know, that hot of a topic compared to Shopify people, which are make up some of my audience being like, hey, I want to rank my product pages, my category pages. How do I do it? But we decided to go with it because we knew that the bloggers in the SEO space were going crazy about voice search, talking about voice search this, voice search that. And we created something that was for them. And because we created it for them, we know that they're going to like it. And they not only linked to it, but amplified it and shared it um, on Twitter and places like that. That's really clever. I had not like, – I, I, I feel like I've got a, a reasonable grasp on, on content marketing um, of SEO, like semi-competent with, with technical SEO. Uh, and I feel pretty good with content marketing, having done a lot of it um, and been involved with it. But that piece of advice, that was like, that was a mind blower for me right then is some percent of your content needs to exist to gather backlinks. And the non sleazy way to do it is look at what the the publishing professionals in your niche or industry are already talking about and create content for them. Um, is there anything you do to get that stuff in front of them? Yep, I use uh, email outreach for the most part. Um, there's a lot of nuances with that, of course. Like right. people get those horrible outreach emails. So I'm not saying it's it's a magical thing that'll work. But greetings, as long as you see that, like, oh no, oh yeah, yep, yep, or hi there. You know, yeah. once they don't use your name, it's almost a guaranteed spam. I um, like to so visit blog post in which yep, exactly. you said, like, oh boy, I, I'm partly responsible for that because I created a script like six years ago that, that people started using and it just got a little out of hand. <laughs> but um, That's another story for another podcast. Um, yeah, but if you reach out to people that are genuinely interested, this is what I find a couple of things for making your email outreach really effective for this thing, this type of uh, content, but also just in general for promoting content. The first is if you find people that are genuinely interested in the topic, then you're going to go a long way with it. So what a lot of people do is they're like, hey, you once randomly mentioned this word, so therefore, you're going to like this post about that thing. And it's I get that a lot. It's like one time I randomly met – I've gotten a couple about gardening because I've used it as an example before. Oh, and people are like, hey, you write about gardening. We wrote this like ultimate guide to growing tomatoes in your backyard. It's like, dude, that has nothing to do with my site. So what you want to do is find people that are genuinely interested in the topic. So in your case, Kurt, it would be you know, Shopify, obviously. So if I created a study that was like here – we, we analyzed 10,000 Shopify stores – and we found that these are the major technical problems like broken links or shopping cart problems or SEO issues. You'd be like, dude, this is awesome, right? Even if I was a random person, especially if I don't ask you to share it. That's the other, so that's the other tip is once you find someone interested, send them your data, but don't even ask them to share it. Just be like, hey, I think you'd be interested in this. And it's kind of a Jedi mind trick. By not asking, they're actually more likely to share because – They'll think of it. It's their idea. And if it's something that will benefit their audience, they're going to share it anyway. You're going full inception on them. Yeah, I like to think so. <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah. As soon as you, you're asking for it, it's like it, it loses some of the value. When you are just presenting it as like, here's this thing that you may or may not find valuable. Ah, now suddenly they're more willing to evaluate it on its own merit. And if it's great, which 
if you're willing to share it, hopefully it is, um, then they will be willing to share it as well. Hold up. What do sophisticated Shopify brands like Chubby's, Nomad, and Blender's Eyewear all have in common? How about my biggest clients like Hoonigan or Keysmart? One thing, they all rely on Klaviyo, the growth marketing platform chosen by the brands you love. Heck, I love it. With a dedicated team of experts and a platform that consumes more data than any other on the market, that tight Shopify integration, Klaviyo helps you own the customer experience and grow higher value relationships. And the results speak for themselves. Brands have made more than $3.7 billion in revenue, that's billion with a B, through Klaviyo in the last year alone. From a shopper's first impression to each subsequent purchase, Klaviyo understands every interaction, empowering brands to create more personalized marketing moments. When you have a 360-degree view of the customer, the growth possibilities are endless. Visit klaviyo.com unofficial. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash unofficial to learn more and start your free trial. Talk to him. Well, all right. We talked about content marketing quite a bit. What about back to step zero, those product and category pages? Is there anything I could do to boost the rankings on those? So one of the things that can really help product and category pages is something called authority sculpting. Because when you take a step back and you look at product and category pages, the only things you can really do to optimize them is A, you know, put your keywords in strategic places. So as long as your pages have unique content that's not duplicate from somewhere else and it contains your target keyword like in the title, a few times on the page, maybe in an image, alt text, that's, you know, that's basically what you can do there in terms of traditional on-page SEO. You can also do things to make sure that your product and category pages is a good, um, they're a good fit for what that person's searching for because Google can measure if someone lands on your product page and then goes back to Google right away to them, that's like, Oh man, that page really isn't good, Like that's not a good fit. So as long as you keep people stuck to your, your e-commerce site and ideally convert, then you're good. But I don't really have to say that because you want them to convert anyway. So most people spend a lot of time and energy on the conversion optimization. Other than that, the best thing you could do is build up backlinks on your domain using content and then funneling, that authority to the product and category pages that are the most high priority for you. And that's one of the reasons that I was saying before about a mistake is only having product and category pages because when you only have that, you don't really have any leverage. Your site doesn't have any authority in the eyes of Google. So even if your page is really relevant, they're not going to rank it because all the sites above you have more authority and they judge that authority based on links. And that's why I recommend creating these content pieces that are specifically designed to get links. Once you have those, you're in a good spot. Like you can start doing stuff in terms of SEO. Without that, you don't have a lot of leverage. You can just optimize your pages and kind of pray that one of them will rank. So authority sculpting is really, it sounds kind of fancy, but it's actually really simple. All you do is identify five to 10 product and category pages that are most important to you. And then take those pieces of content that have links or any page on your site that has links and internally link from those high authority pages to those product and category pages. That will send authority to those and they'll get a rankings boost. Oh, no way. I had I knew internal linking was important, but I thought it really was like largely more about um, page visibility, making sure that stuff gets indexed and updated regularly. I did not realize that there was... Um, uh, like an authority flow through that could happen via internal linking. 
Yep, there is. It's it's similar to a backlink, right? When another site links to you, authority flows through that link to your site. It's the same thing happening, but on your own domain. It's not as powerful as a link directly from another site, but it's the same principle applies. You're just one degree removed from the other site linking to you. Interesting. Okay. Wow. That is. That so is it's important for all that stuff you <laughs> mentioned, but this is another like benefit, and that's why I recommend being strategic with it because what a lot of people do is just add random internal links across their e-commerce site. But if you're like most people, you have a couple that are really important to you, whether they have a good ROI, they're a new product that you want to get the word out about, maybe you already rank like number seven, so you kind of can get a boost up to the top three where all the action is. For whatever reason, it's a priority for you. You want to send as much juice as you can from these pages that have authority to that page. This is a good and easy to implement tip. I like this. Um, the... The elephant in the room is Amazon. It feels almost impossible to outrank Amazon. Is it impossible to outrank Amazon if we're competing for similar things? No. If you're competing for the same things, maybe. So this is one of the reasons that I don't recommend competing with Amazon. I know it sounds kind of like a riddle, but... It's kind of like to compete against Amazon, you don't want to compete against Amazon. Because, yes, you have a chance for a product page to rank above them. But like I mentioned before, um, the authority of your site is super important. And Amazon has a domain authority of like infinite, infinity, right? It's like insane. And in fact, a while ago, I looked at a bunch of Amazon's product pages to see how many had links directly pointing to them from other sites, so backlinks. And very, very few had any backlinks pointing to them. So what that means is, let's say Amazon has 2 million pages. I would estimate 99% of those don't have any backlinks pointing directly to them. They're ranking because of the domain authority as a whole, like I was telling you before. The problem is, if you're competing as Amazon, you're not going to be able to match the domain authority no matter what you do. So you have a couple options. One is to really focus on getting that link authority to those specific product pages using that authority sculpting strategy that I mentioned earlier, because that's the advantage you can have over Amazon. They have huge domain authority, but their individual pages, no one's linking to them. So if you're able to get links to your page, to your product pages or one link removed using internal linking, that can help you rank above them. The other thing you could do is look at keywords that are a little bit different than Amazon's optimizing for. So, you know, the same product can be described a lot of different ways and especially as you get more niche so for example let's say you know you're an e-commerce site that sells organic dog food well the keyword dog food is going to be tough organic dog food is going to be tough but you can always create product pages around organic dog food for specific breeds this is something that a lot of big e-commerce sites don't bother with because it's not worth it they don't get a lot of traffic but if you create like organic dog food for chihuahuas product page that has a good chance of ranking above Amazon because Amazon's probably not even ranking for it because they don't have a page about it. So that those are two different ways that you can compete against Amazon and win. But I recommend focusing on the second strategy is are finding these keywords that are a little more long tail, a little bit more niche because Amazon isn't even bothering to try to rank for them. So on the topic of long tail keyword phrases, how do I do that keyword planning? How do I know what is a keyword I should go after? Or should I not think so hard about it? No, you definitely, I definitely recommend thinking hard about it. Um, because your keywords, 
when you have an e-commerce site, let's just say you have all your keywords set, you're, you've determined a lot already. Like you basically determined who your market is, who your customers are. It's a big, it's a big deal. Now, not to say you should stress over or anything, but it is an important thing that dictates sort of the rest of your SEO uh, moving forward. And even just how people perceive your products is how you describe them. And you're going to use those keywords on your page. So one thing I would recommend is you, searching for potential product um, ideas and then seeing what Google suggests in the Google Suggest search bar. So with the organic dog food, you can put organic dog food for and see what Google suggests. Those are a lot of times long tail keywords that Amazon and other big e-commerce sites aren't targeting. And you can create product pages around them. See, I like this idea, and I've promoted this idea, and I've had other supposed SEO experts slap my wrist and say, well, no, that's not, that's not true. That doesn't work because it's tailoring it to you, so that's irrelevant. I mean, it is to a certain extent, but if you've never searched for the thing, they don't tailor it to you. They only tailor it to you if you just search for that thing. Okay. And then you're searching for something related right away, or... If you search for it in the past, they'll show it in purple as a history. But then you could just use incognito mode or whatever. So yeah, then I was going to say, if I just do this in incognito mode, doesn't that solve the problem? It does. Good. Okay. Uh, what are some of your, your favorite tools? People love tools. What are some of yours? Yeah, they do love tools. Uh, that's probably the top question I get. It's like, what tools do I use? Uh, for an e-commerce site, I would say the no- – if. If you want just one tool, which is, I think, what everyone ultimately wants at the end of the day, to me, the best suite of tools for keyword research and links and technical SEO and all that stuff is Ahrefs. Um, it has, uh, there's other tools that have a similar suite of op features like SEMrush and Moz Pro. On the surface, they're all, they have the same features, but to me, Ahrefs has the best features and it's just the easiest to use, which is important. Like with some of the other tools, I have trouble finding things or knowing how things work. And I just find that Ahrefs is a little bit easier to use. It's not cheap, but again, you get what you pay for. And I think that it's the number one tool that I would recommend for people if they're serious about SEO. And it does have an inexpensive seven day trial. Uh, It's like seven, seven bucks for seven days. So if you want to play with it and decide if it's worth it, you totally can. Um, the, another one that you had mentioned earlier off air was exploding topics. What is this thing? So this is something that I actually co-founded. So, uh, yeah, so full transparency, I co-founded this thing, but it's a lot of e-commerce people are liking it, which is why I wanted to bring it up. So I created this because it's not a pitch. It's free. So I don't even get anything if you use it, but, um, the, the idea behind it is, with Google Trends, it's great for seeing trends. Like if you're considering a product that you want to add or a category that you want to add to your e-commerce site, you can put it into Google Trends and see how it's trending. If it's trending up, that's probably good. If it's trending down, that's probably bad. The problem is Google Trends isn't great at bubbling up ideas that you hadn't thought of before. So if you're like, I have no idea what I want to add. I just want to find trending stuff. This is what this is designed for. Because you can go in there, find your different, you know, if you, uh, in different categories, we have like tech and whatever products, and you can just see what products are blowing up and what cat, what types of topics are blowing up in terms of search volume. And it's cool because it's a discovery engine instead of having to search for something. So that's why we developed it and e-commerce people and Amazon FBA people are, seem to be liking it. So are they looking at to like discover the, the next big niche idea and ride that wave? Yeah, exactly. So it could be if you don't even know what site you want to create yet. I mean, you could, that's what 
uh, it was originally developed for, I actually bought it from this person that started it. And he created it because he was like, I want to start a business, but I don't know what to create, start a business on. And it probably should be something that's trending up. So let me create something that just scrapes terms and, and finds those that are trending up. And over time, it sort of refined it. And it has thousands of, of different trending topics. But yeah, if you're like, I want to start an e-commerce site, but I don't know what niche. Or like, hey, I want to add a new category. We want to add a new product. It's more just to check it out and be like, oh, hey, this is an idea. Like this product, this it could be a specific brand sometimes are blowing up. And then be like, oh, so that means this whole category is probably blowing up too. Like if one particular brand is exploding, it's a good sign that that category is also doing well. So we're we're coming to the end of our time together, but I want to talk to you about a different search engine. I want to talk to you about YouTube. You wrote this this phenomenal guide that I followed on like, hey, here's how here's here's what YouTube's looking at. Here's how it works, and I use that to optimize my channel, and that's helped. I get you know picking up. Um, uh, 50 to 100 subscribers a month now, which is it's nice. It's good to see that that steady, it's steady nice growth. One. Um, the so t- tell me, give me the high level overview there on on YouTube and and your approach to YouTube marketing. So, yeah, so my approach to YouTube marketing is just super top of the funnel awareness. Um, this is something I had to learn kind of the hard way when I first got started on YouTube. I was like, oh, YouTube's huge. What I'm going to do is just like with SEO, you rank for these keywords that people are searching for. People watch your video and then they buy something. And it doesn't really work like that. So uh, one of the things I learned is that the goal of YouTube should really be get to get people to see you, to follow you, to be aware that you exist. That's the main benefit of YouTube. And then down the road, when they're searching for what you sell and they see your domain in Google, they're going to click on it. Or when they're on your site, they're going to be like, oh, I know this. You know, this is whatever brand I've seen. I watch their YouTube channel. It's great. Um, and it may sound like a kind of like, oh, who cares if it's just top of the funnel stuff. But it's actually super powerful because you can do it at scale on YouTube. Um, to give you an idea, Backlinko's channel is relatively small. Like we have 280,000 subscribers, you know, which is big <laughs> in a way yeah and would kill for that I, yeah i would have killed for that not so long ago trust me but if you take a step back and look at youtube like according to social blade i looked this up the other day for a course i'm working on like i think there are twenty five thousand channels with more subscribers than that wow. <laughs> so yeah so it's not that's what when i say there's a lot of channels that are, that's what i mean i mean i'm not even in the top twenty five thousand. so it sounds like a lot in some ways but in many ways it's a tiny channel it's insignificant um, but anyway, we'll put, let's put it somewhere in the middle. Right now, the channel gets about 190,000 unique people watching the videos every month. That's not views. It's really like 250,000 views and 180 to 190,000 unique people that are seeing my videos every single month. That's massive. Like If you think about that in terms of like TV commercials or radio ads or display, all those sorts of advertising that's just like awareness-based – it's really hard to top that. That's a lot of people. And it's pretty targeted too. It's people that are in my space, professional marketers. So if you can identify your target audience that they hang out on YouTube, which they probably do because YouTube has over a billion users, and you can get your brand in front of them, they're going to watch it. And a lot of times they're going to be like, oh, let me search for this and you know, search for this brand in Google, read about you, maybe check out some of your products. Maybe they won't buy right then, but you at least got them to your site. You got it in their head. They'll visit again, maybe they'll watch another videos, visit again, maybe sign up for your 5% discount pop-up that this time, and then check out in a week. So it's definitely not like 
a money machine in terms of you know you start getting views and people start buying your stuff it does, there's a delay there but there's definitely i can draw a straight line between youtube views and revenue oh yeah I've, those those numbers are tremendous i mean if you had a billboard you would not see those kinds of numbers with next to the highway in a month that's absolutely tremendous those and you think about a billboard how many people actually see it or a display ad or a TV ad? Like they're on their phone or just driving, hopefully not on their phone driving, <laughs> but they probably are. And they're not really engaging with it. Video is such a powerful medium that they're more likely to remember you. It's a very personal medium. So yeah, it's, it's, it is like, even the numbers are amazing, but if you think about the medium itself, it's even more powerful because people are seeing you and your brand and maybe even your products if you do some sort of like, you know, low level product placement. And they're gonna, it sticks in their mind a lot more than like a display ad or a TV ad or something like that. So not only is it a quality of view, it's a quantity of view. And that's where YouTube really shines. And that's why it's such a powerful medium. And so, yeah, I need to be investing even more time in my, my YouTube channel, it sounds like. Um, so we're, we're coming to the end of our time together. Where could people go to learn more about you? Uh, the best place is to go to backlinko.com and you can sign up for the newsletter there and I send a lot of exclusive SEO tips and strategies that I only share with email subscribers. I am on your newsletter and I could confirm. Great. Uh, all right, Brian, this has been enlightening. I am thrilled to have had you on. Thank you so much. No, thanks for having me. Big news from our friends at Out of the Sandbox this month. Their newest theme just launched. It's called Flux. And it's for those of us who loved all the bells and whistles and turbo, but thought, I need more of this. That's where Flex is a game changer for you. It can be configured in an endless number of ways, thanks to more layout and section options than ever, more granular control of settings, and easy addition of custom CSS through the theme editor. It's perfect for development agencies like ourselves, as well as e-commerce entrepreneurs like you looking to create a unique online store experience for your customers. Now here's the coolest part. Flex has a new Demo Shop Import feature that allows you to fast-track your shop setup based on any of 12 demo shops. You get all of the theme settings, layouts, content, and sections used in that demo shop of your choice applied automatically to your store. You can check Flex out right now at outofthesandbox.com. And if you like it, take 20% off the purchase price when you use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's outofthesandbox.com and code PODCAST20. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.